Welcome to Reading the Bible Together podcast. I'm your host, Angela Smith. So sometimes we go through trials and it's like, oh, on the other side, oh, now I can look back and see it looks, you know, I understand. Mm-hmm. It's all great. Mm-hmm. And and sometimes you go through trials and you are never going to understand and it's never going to feel settled or, or easy or like, oh, there's the good thing that came out of it. You might not ever see it. But just knowing and trusting in God's big picture plan and that whatever brings him glory, that's we're, we're giving it to him. And we're allowing him to do whatever it is that's going to give him the most glory in whatever way he wants. This series, we're studying First Peter, and I am so glad you're here. Joining me today is Amanda Nightum. She is the Director of Listener Engagement for Faith Radio. And today we're going to be talking about First Peter 2, 1 through 12. Welcome, Amanda. Hi, thanks. I'm so, I'm glad you're here. So you were not able to join us for the introductory episode, but you were one of the, you were a member of the team, the writing team Mm -hmm. that wrote the study guide. Yes. Yes. So that was, so I'm really excited because you guys did such great study. I'm excited about our conversation today. Thank you. It's an, it's an awesome book to dive into. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, just five chapters, but (laughs) wow, there's a lot in here. Yes. (laughs) Yes. <laughs> so great. Okay, so let's start out by having you read First Peter 2, 1 through 12. Wonderful. Therefore, rid yourselves of all malice and all deceit, hypocrisy, envy, and slander of every kind. Like newborn babies, crave pure spiritual milk, so that by it you may grow up in your salvation, now that you have tasted that the Lord is good. As you come to him, the living stone, Rejected by humans, but chosen by God and precious to him, you also, like living stones, are being built into a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, offering spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. For in scripture it says, See, I lay a stone in Zion, a chosen and precious cornerstone, and the one who trusts in him will never be put to shame. Now to you who believe, this stone is precious, but to those who do not believe, The stone the builders rejected has become the cornerstone and a stone that causes people to stumble and a rock that makes them fall. They stumble because they disobey the message, which is also what they were destined for. But you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession, that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. Once you were not a people, but now you are the people of God. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. Dear friends, I urge you, as foreigners and exiles, to abstain from sinful desires which wage war against your soul. Live such good lives among the pagans that though they accuse you of doing wrong, they may see your good deeds and glorify God in the day he visits us. Mm, So good. So good. And I love how he's... Peter is going back and quoting Isaiah and Hosea and the Psalms. I mean, you know, in the early church, those the script those were the scriptures that they had. They didn't right. have the Bible like yeah. we have. You know, these these men had grown up as as Jewish and so understood the Old Testament. And so I I, I think it's important to remember that, especially when we see it here that it was a part of who they are. Right. And sometimes it's easy for us to lean on the New Testament 
and and disregard or not pay as much attention to the Old Testament, but that is exactly right. That's what they that's what they knew and loved and memorized and held dear to them. And so that meant a lot to them that he mentioned those. Yeah. And uh, I think we see it in, I want to say it's Acts 20, Paul. I mean, he, or did Jesus do it? I can't, anyway, but to give evidence of the Messiah was all found. I mean, when we see that happening in the New Testament, that's all Old Testament prophecy that's yes. pointing toward yes. the Messiah. So good. So what else, you know, has been standing out to you in this chapter or these verses? Yeah, well, I love I love all the word imagery he uses. Um, And and one that really stood out to me was the living stone. And and um, it made me think of the standing stones that that people in the Old Testament would put up stones at significant places where God had done something miraculous. So I think that, we often heard them called Ebenezer's. Yes. yes stone of remembrance. Standing stones mm-hmm. and memorials. Yes. So that when people walked by, when their children would walk by and say, what's that all about? It was an opportunity and, and kind of built in the history and praising God of what he had done and, and just a way to share that um, share that history mm-hmm. with those that are and coming the lineage after. And yes. these are our, our people. Yep. These are our people. Yep. This is our story, and yes. this is our God, and, and evidence of what he has done in the past and why we can trust him now for our, our future, too. So good. So, Amanda, I think you looked even, like, where are some places in the I Old did. Testament where we, where we see these? <laughs> yes. Yeah, so one is Jacob, when he set up stone pillars at Bethel to remember his dream and where God reaffirmed his covenant with him. That's one in Genesis. And then Moses built 12 standing stones at the foot of Mount Sinai, after he got the Ten Commandments, and that's found in Exodus. And the Israelites erected standing stones to remember their miraculous crossing of the Jordan River, and that's in Joshua. And, and that's one that it even specifically says, these are here so that your children will ask, and you can tell them what God has done. And so I just I just love that. And, and being a parent, like it's so important for us to to do that point those things out to our kids and point them to the things that in our past and in our lineage, these are examples and, and miracles that God has done and reasons to praise him and to put and continue to put our trust in him. Well, and I think that part of the reason why Peter is putting them here is because we, he's talking so much about suffering. Mm-hmm. And in my experience, you know, when you experience a, a, a period of suffering or a trial mm-hmm. and you see the Lord come through, the next time you go through a trial, it's at least, it's not, it's a, I mean, <laughs> it's not like, oh, I go through it so well right now, but <laughs> it's not as difficult to trust the Lord. It's, you know, I can say, I, I remember what he did and I know, and I, and, and I know that he'll come through again and it may not look like what I mm-hmm expect but he's he's doing something yeah and and even you know when you're going through those trials sometimes you need to tell yourself what you believe like you don't feel it Mm -hmm. like you feel anxious you feel worried you feel scared you feel fearful and you need to tell yourself no this is the truth this is what I believe and and help yourself you know you might not ever completely feel it but help yourself know it Mm -hmm. and so that in your heart you can know those things to be true. And, and these, you know, having these standing stones around you in the history of your family or in just your recent past 
Oh, man, it makes such a difference to lean on. Well, and the history of the church, too, to see mm-hmm. how, you know, recently I took a class about church history. And so we started at 70 AD and came up to close to, well, came to modern time. And the one overarching thing, the two like pervading thoughts I had was God is so faithful and we are so unfaithful. Right. <laughs> but he, I mean, to look back and to see all that he continued to do and that he continued to work and that he continued to use this imperfect, you know, humans to accomplish, you know, what he's trying to accomplish. But I I think too, to look back at church history and to see what he's done. Well, and, and in these verses, he says the living stone. So he's calling us to live out Mm -hmm. that faith and, and to be those people that cause people to say, well, What's what's going on with them? Like, why are they that way? What 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 is different about them? And and so we're supposed to live among the dead, and and point to our living Savior and why we live differently as the world does. That's that that's such a good point. That we are the living stones. Mm-hmm. That we're the ones that people are supposed to go. Oh, look at what God is doing. Yeah, that doesn't make sense. Right. Like, why? Why would they do it that way? And it's because our faith and trust and hope is not of this world. Well, and especially at the at the end when he's talking about be careful to live properly among your unbelieving neighbors, then even they will even though they're accusing you of doing wrong, they will see your honorable behavior and give honor to God when he judges the world. Hmm. It just feels really big. <laughs> yeah, right? Yeah. Just do that. Yeah. <laughs> no big deal. Well, and he keeps on with the kind of the theme of stones, too, by referring back to the cornerstone, who's Christ. Right. And and that that refers to when they were building walls and building a building. They had one stone that set the line. And so that cornerstone, it was the first one they set it, and every other one lined up next to it. Was measured against it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And that, that that set the straight line. And so that's that's a hard standard to live up to, obviously. Perfect. Mm-hmm. But it says that we need to have our shoulders next to Christ and we need to be in the word and pressing into him at every opportunity so that we can keep that line straight and continue to point unbelievers to him, he who is perfect, even though we're not. That's, I mean, thinking about, you know, when you're building something to keep going back to that cornerstone to measure, not the stone that's next right. to it, right. that, I mean, you can get way off. If you start comparing yourself to the stones that are on either side of you, mm-hmm. but to go back to that original cornerstone stone, let him be the plumb line yep. of of measurement of what you're supposed to do, what you're supposed to be about. I also am still just a little hung up that we're the living stone. Like we're like that. I mean, that speaks to us being the amb- ambassadors of Christ. Mm-hmm. That we're Jesus with hands and feet, yeah, with skin on. Yep, and. I think that I think we I think there's room for improvement. <laughs> always will be. Yeah. And there always will yes. be. <laughs> yeah. But um, and, go ahead. Well, and, and and to that point is that's why the church is here and we're supposed mm-hmm. to help improve each other mm-hmm. and lean on each other and say, "Hey, you know what, Angela? I see this thing in your life. Maybe that's something you need to to go talk to God about because because it could get you off track just a little bit and send you in a whole new direction. Or or someone else might think that's the plumb line they should be, you know, living their life toward. And and so I'm supposed to be able to say to you, hey, 
you know, think about this, look at this, reflect on it, or I noticed this, and that's what we're here for. Well, a super surfacey example of that is literally before we recorded, (laughs) I was like, oh, Amanda, have you got something in your hair? And I took it out and I said, I'm a good friend. And then you said, oh, there's something in your hair. You took it out. I'm a good friend. And that really is what a good friend does and what we're called to as, as, you know, as people who are doing life together and doing relationship together, I'm not saying that we need to go around and point out everything with everyone, but when you're in relationship with someone and you've like yes. kind of quote earned the right to yeah. speak into their life, to have some of those hard conversations are, even though I really don't like conflict and hard conversations, that feels painful sometimes, <laughs> but I know that those are the people, I they are loving me well yes. by doing that and I want to love others well. By having hard conversations because I love them. Yep. And as a church, I think each one of us in the church, we're not going to be that for everybody, but there are people we need to invite into our lives to be those people. Yes. People that we're doing life with and can, yeah, that we give permission to speak into our life like that and for us to do the same for them. And I think what's interesting going back to the cornerstone is that they're talking about this cornerstone he is the stone that makes people stumble the rock that makes them fall mm-hmm. and that almost sounds like it almost sounds like a rock that's always there that's always like i'm here i'm here i'm here mm-hmm. as you were studying for the study guide in this verse in First uh, Peter two eight, where it talks about that he's a stone that makes people stumble. It's going back to Isaiah eight fourteen. What did you did? Because I think you said that you had done more study on that. Yeah, just a little bit, and just knowing that the very truth that is the cornerstone of Jesus and the very truth of our salvation is also what some people get hung up on and can't believe and won't believe and and that's their downfall and that's their you know the fact of or you know the truth of what they're stumbling over. Mm-hmm. Well, so what because you uh, you had talked about the Greek word that there was a Greek word that you had found that talked about this rock. Yeah, the Greek word I, I think it's called lithos and it means a loose stone lying in one's path. So it just it it causes people to stumble mm-hmm. and and if it's not causing you to be part of that foundation and that wall, it's going to be the thing that um, keeps you from God. It trips you up. Yeah. And that Jesus is that cornerstone. So, I mean, that's interesting that because he's talking to a Jewish, I mean, he's, he's quoting Isaiah mm-hmm. to people who know Isaiah that, that Jesus is the, is I'm just kind of swirling a little bit. Like Jesus is the kind of the stumbling block. So the mm-hmm. the very thing that you know the Messiah sent to save them is the thing that's tripping them up. And you know it makes me think a little bit about. Actually, it makes me think of It's a Wonderful Life when George Bailey. Have you seen that movie? Yes. <laughs> uh, George Bailey. When they they build this house with Mary, his wife, and she, you know, fixes it up and everything. And there's a finial at the bottom of the railing. And every time they go up the stairs, he, you know, what do you do? You grab the railing. Well, he grabs, you grab the finial and the finial comes off. And so it's always a source of 
frustration that he's mm-hmm. almost like banging it back into its place. And he ends up losing everything and he comes home and this, you know, he picks up this finial and he's so angry and he just hates this finial. And then you see the movie Spoiler Alert if you haven't seen it, but it's been out for a hundred years. <laughs> yeah. So I don't feel bad spoiling, you know, spoiling it. You know, he sees what the world would have been like had he not been born mm-hmm. and then desperately wants things to go back the way they were. And when he goes back into the, back into the house and he runs up to the stairs, up the stairs because his children are calling him, he goes to run up the stairs and his hand lands on that same finial that caused him so much frustration. And he picks it up and it's precious to him and he kisses mm-hmm. it. Mm-hmm. And it makes me think of uh, of a people who have been tripped up by the cornerstone. And now Peter is saying, no, it's like George Bailey kissing that finial. Jesus is the cornerstone. This thing that has tripped you up and frustrated you, he is actually our salvation. Right. Right. And precious to us. Yes. That's a, yeah. Anything. Yeah. Okay. I just want to kind of sit with that one for a minute. (laughs) Well, and, and when we come up to these, these trials in our life, I mean, there's so many, so many spots in this in this book where it talks about the stri- trials and struggles and and we we would almost always wish them away right. you know we we don't want struggles and trials but mm-hmm. but looking back on it that might be the one thing that causes us to run to god or or truly run to god or really trust in him with with that thing we know the truth to be but for it to really get through our whole heart and and be our only thing we have total surrender total i mean surrender. that was something than and i were talking about on the on yesterday's was that that obedience and the living in reverent fear and the total and complete surrender and i feel like at least in my experience that i've got this steely death grip on life uh, i've compared it to a fern when you see a fern grow the leaves are curled into themselves, mm-hmm. and then the whole stem is curled, mm-hmm. just so tightly wound in and like hanging on. But as it grows and as it unfurls, it even like it bends its back mm-hmm. and opens its leaves in total mm-hmm. surrender. Mm-hmm. And that's I'm not there yet, not there yet. <laughs> I'm you know mostly unfurled, but working on it. But I, I think what this this process of going through trials, going through struggles, and seeing that God is trustworthy, experiencing. Mm-hmm. I mean, we might know it, and I, like you were saying before, I think it's so important to remind ourselves of the truth and to have people around us who will say the hard truth to us. Yeah. But those, but we then we experience it when we suffer and he's faithful and we suffer and he's faithful and we unfurl a little bit more each time. Does, I guess that means I have more suffering as I'm like working. Get ready. Get ready. Yeah. Well, and and here's the here's the truth that we know as well is that we might not ever understand, and we might we might not ever like how how these trials have turned out, and that's just part of faith, mm-hmm. and that's just part of us surrendering and saying, God, for Your glory, whatever it means, my life looks like it is for Your glory. It's just yeah. a hard it's a hard thing to always live out but but that's the honest truth. And so sometimes we go through trials and it's like, oh, on the other side, oh now I can look back and see it looks, you know, I understand. Mm-hmm. It's all great. Mm-hmm. And and sometimes you go through trials and you are never going to understand and it's never going to feel settled or 
or easy or like, oh, there's the good thing that came out of it. You might not ever see it. But just knowing and trusting in God's big picture plan and that whatever brings him glory, that's we're, we're giving it to him. And we're allowing him to do whatever it is that's going to give him the most glory in whatever he, way he wants. As you were talking, I was having a memory of, um, and you might remember this, we were, you know, our team does a, every Monday was we get together with our sister station and then Northwestern media and, and do a devotion together. Mm-hmm. And then each of the teams have their own meetings, but it was in our big team meeting and I was leading the devotion that day. And I, it was the, um, but not my will, your will mm-hmm. be done. And so that was what the whole devotional was about. And at the time your dad was toward the end of his life. Mm-hmm. And after we, after someone does a devotional, then we all, offer we everybody shares a prayer request and then we pray and so that day I decided oh well I you know we're gonna pray and then we're gonna say but not our will your will be done Mm -hmm. and one of the prayer requests was for your dad Mm -hmm. and so I I prayed our prayer request and then I said but not our will your will be done and I remember going to you and apologizing later like I'm so sorry to to put that on you and do you remember this yeah and you turned and you said, but that's true. Mm-hmm. And sometimes the truth is so hard, but it's true. And the more standing stones we have in our life that we can say, oh, look what God did here. Look what God did here. Look what God did here. These are all evidence of his worthiness for us to trust him. And not that he needs to give us evidence. It's all over. But the more we look on them and reflect on them and tell our children and declare them to be true— it becomes easier when those times come where it feels so hard to know that, oh, it's not, it's not my way. Mm-hmm. It's not going to feel good. I might not even see any good out of it. But it's true, whatever God's will, that's, we hold it open in our hands. And that's a really hard tension to carry. Yeah. Is there anything else in, in this, these verses that we haven't talked about that you want to make sure that we cover? You know, I, I, we talked on church and I, I just really think however that looks for people, but just having those people in your life that are going to link arms with you and, you know, that you can invite in to be honest mm-hmm. and really, you know, help you evaluate your life and reflect on things. I, I just think that's such an important important part of life and the Christian life. And um, if you don't have those people in your life, seek them out. And you might have to be vulnerable and asking for them. And it might be a slow relationship to build to get there, Mm -hmm. but be seeking them out because man, to have those people to link arms with you when it's easy and when it's hard, it it just makes all the difference. It's such a gift. It is. I mean, thinking about being, you know, if you're standing and people are around you, they're going to see things that you can't see. There are blind spots that you have, that we all have, that they're going to be able to see that you're not going to be able to see. And you want people that will love you well enough right, to tell you the blind spots. Because in our culture, like, it's not socially acceptable to come up to someone and say, you know, really, yeah, you should maybe, you know, in love, You've I'm telling you this. You've got toilet paper on your shoe. Right, yeah. I mean, it, you know, it's not <laughs> how we necessarily operate. No. But, yeah. Yeah. It's a good... Good, good encouragement to go and find those people. Yeah, and be those people. Right. I mean, 
really lovingly. <laughs> you yes. know, we, we can all find different things to point out that, yeah. are, that are not done well or wrong or, you know, off-putting. But to do it lovingly and to give God glory in it and through right. it so that when, what is the verse? Live, in such, live such good lives among the pagans that though they accuse you of doing wrong, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day he visits. I mean, that's, that's the goal. Right. Live lives that will give glory to God. So good. Thank you so much, Amanda. Oh, Thank my you for pleasure. taking the time to do this. Absolutely. Thank you for joining us for this conversation about 1 Peter 2, 1 through 12. If you want to find out more about reading the Bible together, head over to myfaithradio.com and look for the Reading the Bible Together resource page. Make sure you subscribe to this podcast so you don't miss any episodes, and we'll see you next time for 1 Peter 2, 13 through 25. The Reading the Bible Together podcast is a production of Faith Radio and Northwestern Media. Hosted, produced, and edited by Angela Smith. If you've enjoyed this podcast and want to hear more, consider financially supporting Faith Radio. Find more information at myfaithradio.com.